0: Welcome back to Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock. Spring is on the way and we're getting our houses in order, a little spring cleaning, garage sales. Let's talk to the organizing lady. She's in Southern California and she's organized for actors, actresses, musicians. She'll give us some tips. Uh, also with springtime comes potholes. We'll talk to Natalie Rourke at Modot about how you can report major potholes and we'll find out just how much they've spent. And how many potholes there are in this state, you'll be amazed by the number. And, of course, tax season. If you have not already filed, there may be some things you want to consider. We'll talk to IRS spokesperson Michael Devine. Uh, But first, there's a Missouri bill that would let patients legally use a psychedelic called psilocybin often referred to as shrooms, to treat certain health conditions. Elisa Nelson talks to the bill's sponsor, State Representative Tony Lavasco of St. Charles County.
1: The bill allows for people that have uh, either treatment-resistant PTSD, treatment-resistant uh, depression, uh, or certain terminal illnesses uh, to access psilocybin in a health setting.
2: It's not like they could... Do what we do here with uh, medical marijuana. They they wouldn't be going to a storefront. They would actually have to go to a certain health site.
1: Correct. Yeah, this is not a retail product. It's not something that you're going to see people getting on the Internet. Uh, it's specifically treatment that will happen uh, under the care of a physician at a health care facility.
2: I thought there was a lot of good questions today in the committee hearing. And you had mentioned in, in reference studies um, showing some positive impact on certain health conditions. I think, what was it, PTSD and depression specifically?
1: Uh, Correct, yeah. The the bulk of the research is is focused on depression, but there's a lot of emerging data that uh, PTSD, that this is effective as well.
2: Another comment that had been made, and I think you might have made it as well, is um, talk about how often people would be allowed to get this under your bill.
1: The bill doesn't set specific limits. That would be up uh, to the physician that's prescribing. Uh, the reality is, though, most folks are not getting this on a regular basis. It's something that uh, you'll see people doing, uh, you know, one or two times over the course of maybe a year or so. Uh, the desire to uh, access this kind of care is uh, not something that's uh, akin to taking a monthly maintenance medicine or something of that nature. Uh, it's definitely more of a, a psychological treatment that uh, kind of opens up the mind to therapy and other similar types of, of, of content
2: now through your research on this and what you have as far as studies does it show much in terms of and are we talking about shrooms specifically by the way
1: uh, psilocybin is derived naturally from mushrooms correct
2: can people get addicted to this kind of drug?
1: No, I think that's actually one of the things that's most fantastic about the substance is that uh, not only is it incredibly safe, uh, there's no real way of overdosing or otherwise harming yourself by taking too much of it, uh, but it doesn't show any kind of uh, evidence of d- dependency either. Uh, it's something that uh, you take a handful of times and then you kind of move on with your life. It's not something that you're going to be on for years and years.
2: This Would this not work within the actual current traditional health insurance Um, setup that we have now? Would this be, you know, out of pocket, all out of pocket for the user?
1: You know, it certainly depends on the insurance carrier. Uh, The bill specifically specifies that the insurance companies are not required to cover it, uh, but it doesn't prohibit them from doing so. If they they wanted to cover it, they're certainly allowed to.
2: Now, can you go into a little bit more specifically about, like, some of the healthcare places that they might be able to get this? I think um, I saw some Certain places within the bill that you could, uh, that that you might be able to access it at. So
1: this outlines uh, basically initial places that uh, you'd be able to to get it legally, and then it allows the uh, Department of Health and Senior Services to kind of expand that list moving forward if they see that there's deficiencies in, in what we set up as far as the the initial. Uh, set of providers. But uh, the idea is uh, a uh, healthcare facility, uh, your doctor's office, that sort of thing, uh, hospice care centers, uh, long-term residential care facilities, that sort of thing. Uh, the bill specifically uh, indicates that it has to be done at a location that's providing med services. So uh, you wouldn't be able to do it at your home or, or you know, hotel or something like that. Uh, the idea is it's an inpatient process that uh, you're expected to be under supervision.
2: Okay. Now, would they have to stay at the health care site? Um, let's say it's like an, uh, uh, an outpatient situation. Would they
1: have to stay there for so long to be monitored? The bill doesn't specify the number of hours, uh, but my understanding is that typically the effects will last between nine and 12 hours, roughly. So it's typically going to be an overnight stay.
2: During the committee hearing, I, I don't think anyone spoke in opposition, did they? They did not, no. And you talked about some of the other states that have programs like this. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. So uh, Oregon has the most established programs, been around for a few years. Um, And then uh, Colorado recently uh, implemented it. Uh, It's still in the early stages. I think it was just passed last year. Um, And then uh, Washington, D.C. has a pseudo program. They don't have a medical uh, system set up the way we're proposing, uh, but they've decriminalized it. uh, So physicians are able to access it there. There's just not the structure that you'd find in Oregon.
2: Why do you think this bill is important, and um, would it just be for veterans that would be allowed to
1: access this? The bill doesn't specify a particular class of, of patients other than the, the, having to, to be diagnosed with these particular ailments, uh, but certainly veterans and first responders are very clearly the most common uh, folks that you might think of that would immediately benefit. Uh, that being said, there's plenty of folks that have PTSD or severe depression that are not connected to the armed services or, or first responders, and you know we want those people to be able to get help as well.
2: And would this specify a specific age that they
1: could start accessing this? It, it does say you have to be at least 21 years of age, yes.
2: Okay. Uh, and the reason why I specifically asked that is because there are a lot of kids that have PTSD. And I think there's a study that I got from the Missouri Children's Division that talked about um PTSD among children so um, would you be open would you be open to changing that age if somebody wanted to allow children to access that?
1: I think it's something to certainly look at. Uh, That being said, I mean, the reality is uh, this is kind of a new idea for a lot of folks. Uh, It's not something Missouri has done in the past. Uh, And I think any time we're opening up uh, you know, treatment or unusual uh, types of services uh, involving children, we have to be extra careful that we're 100% sure. Uh, I'm not sure the General Assembly is quite ready to make that leap. So at this point, we're focusing only on adults.
2: Now, with the use of shrooms, are you aware, as your understanding, do do people actually trip out when they use
1: shrooms or not? So the the purpose uh, of the treatment, it is a hallucinogenic uh, property, and so it does have a variety of different uh, psychological and uh, hallucinogenic effects, depending on the individual patient. Uh, But there can be a whole wide range of effects that it it might have, depending on uh, the amount of dose that's prescribed, the the particular uh, individual's uh, body chemistry, that sort of thing. Uh, There's not one set experience that people have. Uh, the, the whole point of the uh, the procedure, though, is to allow the person to be more receptive uh, to psychological care and other types of psychiatric treatment already be under- undergoing.
2: Okay. State Representative Tony Lavasco of St. Charles County joining Show Me Today. And uh, I'm Elisa Nelson. One other thing about the other states that have some version of a program, do you know price wise? Okay, let's say if, if you, if your health insurance company does not provide, does not cover the drug or a portion of the drug, do you know what it would cost a person in Missouri? roughly is there a range that you know of
1: you know it's going to vary wildly Uh, the actual cost of the drug itself should be very low it is naturally occurring as i said it's not something that's being manufactured in in large quantities Uh, really i think the bulk of the cost is likely going to be uh, you know stay at the facility uh, and that's going to vary tremendously depending on the location and the type of provider
2: how are you feeling at this point about this bill do you feel like you've got the support that you need to get it across the finish line this year what do you think
1: Well, it's pretty early to start counting votes, but I will say the hearing was very uh, well-received. I think the committee asked a lot of really decent questions. Everyone was very engaged, Uh, and I think we did a good job of uh, making our case and uh, making sure that everyone had the information that they needed, so I'm optimistic.
2: Okay, have you sponsored the bill before?
1: We did have a similar bill last year. It was a little larger in scope. Uh, This year we've narrowed it specifically to deal with psilocybin because, quite frankly, that's where the most science is.
2: All right, State Representative Tony Lovasco. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear, vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body.
1: And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s.
3: With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media.
4: Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not.
3: So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear
4: you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not.
3: Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, remind me about that party again.
4: And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So, talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path, because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
5: I'll be here to hear what's on your mind.
4: As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open for more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Over the past few years, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected how we live our daily lives. Today, one in five Americans experience emotional and mental health challenges, but many of us do not understand what we are facing or how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit MentallyHealthyNation.org to learn more.
0: Back on Show Me Today, the Voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. and in our household, uh, when you get to January 1st, uh, you do your New Year's resolutions, and then when you get to about March 1st, that's when we kind of go into spring cleaning mode. That, that's like the the day we set. That's like our second uh, New Year's resolution. It's like, all right, now you know we got to start bringing in our our summer clothes. We got to start moving that stuff in. We got to get rid of the you know the sweatshirts and the hoodies, and and then it just becomes this whole big thing. Well, then I uh, came across the organizing lady. And I thought, boy, it'd be great to have her on Show Me Today and maybe uh, she can jumpstart us here since we're in the early part of March and spring is coming up to help us uh, clean up around the house and our garage and and get ready for the spring and summer. So let me bring in the organizing lady, Cindy Seidler from uh, California, from Southern California, the L.A. area. Cindy, thank you for joining us here on Show Me Today.
6: Well, thank you for having me. I really love the show and talking to you.
0: And it says on your website, you're a seasoned professional organizer since 1994. What's got you into the business? You must be an organized person.
6: Well, yeah. I mean, when you ask me what got me into the business, it was actually a friend of mine who I was helping declutter uh, his living room, I guess. He had a lot of mail and what have you. And he says, you should do this for a living. And at that time in 1994, um, it was inconceivable. It was, is that even a career to help people, other people get organized and get paid for it? So um, it's interesting that a week after he said that, someone sent me a click of an article in L.A. Times of the net. National Association of Professional Organizers.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! There's a whole, there's it, it a whole was group like of synchronicity.
6: you. Synchronicity. It was, um, yeah, yeah. That's what got me started.
0: All right. So then you went the route of, well, you know what? I'm going to go after uh, actors. I'm going to go after actresses, musicians, people that are uh, busy and they don't have the time. And that's a that's a great angle. That's a great niche to go into.
6: Yeah, um, all is true, except for I didn't go after actors that I stumbled across because an actor found me and I did um, a TV show segment and I became known as organizer to the stars. So I wasn't seeking them out.
0: (laughs) It just fell into your life. Well, that's all right, too. Cindy Seidler is the organizing lady. She's been doing this since 1994, professionally at least, and she's going to help us here in Missouri Uh, kind of fix some things up. So let's, let's start with, as I had just mentioned when I opened this, just the, the removing of winter clothes and going into the summer clothes. And, uh, there comes a point when you have to go through this stuff and get rid of it and send it to Goodwill or you, you gotta, you gotta start pulling some of that stuff away, right? You can't just keep putting it in boxes and compiling.
6: Well, you could, and people do.
0: But that's wrong. Uh, but is it no. wrong? This is the argument I have with my wife. See, that you can tell yeah. you can tell who holds on to their clothes. It's her.
6: Well, yeah, because we're women, and yeah, yes. we like clothes, and we don't like necessarily getting rid of our clothes. Um, but when you have small closet space, it's good to do the seasonal switch out because to fit in two seasons of clothing is a little tricky, and that's what I run into with people. Is, uh, is these crammed closets and what have you. So yeah, if you can tuck away seasonal things. So now in Missouri, we got the spring coming and now we want to get out our clothing with, you know, kind of like summer clothing. We want to put away our jackets. And so um, it is a good time to tuck those away, obviously. But if you've got big enough spaces, then... It's not an issue, you know, you've just got your whole wardrobe for all the seasons and that's fine, but not everyone can do that.
0: Yeah, so Cindy Seidler is the organizing lady. If you've got a small closet, where are some places as you switch out your wardrobe that you can store like your winter clothes now for the next few months?
6: Um, it actually depends on the circumstance for the each individual. I personally uh, have put my seasonal clothing in those storage bins that go under the bed. Now, if you can do that, that's really great because if you do have to access a a heavy winter coat, um, because you're going on some trip and it's tucked under your bed, you just pull it out. I've also had it to be where people are able to buy a wardrobe closet, put it in their garage and it zips up so it protects the clothing And that's another way to tuck away your seasonal clothing in, you know, one of those doohiggies.
0: The organizing lady is joining us on Show Me Today. All right, we were talking about, obviously, I took our household and was going after my wife for her clothes, hanging out to her clothes. But let's turn the tables on guys. And I know you have a section on garage sales, and I want to talk to you about that. But there's that uh, that area in the garage where all of a sudden it just becomes the the clutter area, the clutter cabinet where you get something and you, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll throw it here. I'll put it on this shelf. I'll do it. And before you know it, uh, I'm, I'm staring at stuff in the garage. I'm like, oh, and I can never find anything then because it's like you know what? I know I I know I know. bought this last spring. Now, what did I do with it? I put it on one of these, sh- but I can't find it. So what's the first step for us guys that uh, have made our garage a total mess?
6: Well, I call the garage, I refer to the garage as a resting place before final bail. <laughs> and that is because that's exactly what people do. They throw it in the garage to get it out of their living spaces and it's forgotten. It's, it's just, it's a resting place before you finally get in that garage, decide to go through your stuff and it ends up being given away or sold or trashed. And so, um, yeah, it's the, it's, it's a resting place for it's, final burial so
0: what could we do though what what could we do like this spring now i go and i'm going to pick up a little bottle of oil for my lawnmower what some any tips that i can use for organizing alphabetizing something you got to help me the organizing lady <laughs>
6: well I, I mean alphabetizing what are you alphabetizing in the garage for well i don't i put like
0: say? i put like oil not- under the o's i don't know i'm, I'm asking i don't know oh. I'm grasping for straws yeah
6: okay well let's not let's not go there that's just not everybody can you know get that organized i mean even me but yeah you just want to have all like items together so if you've got your car oil it should go with your car things and if there's a shelf if you have shelving in the garage perfect it's a you know just group things together on the shelf or in bins on a shelf um The whole point of organizing is to be able to find things quickly, easily, get to it. And so, yeah, you want to group the thing. If you want your oil, you know right where to go because it's kept on the car shelf.
0: Cindy Seidler is the organizing lady joining us here on Show Me Today. When you go into someone's home or their garage and you go to organize and it's a huge mess do you do you find that the issue with people is that it's just become overwhelming like they don't even know where to start is that the is that the the first problem you run into it's like look I don't this compiled over the last couple of years two five 25 years now I've got this this mess I don't even know where to start is that the biggest uh, issue
6: well yeah that's why they call me because it, it has gotten to the point of being overwhelming um, if once you Clear out all that clutter, then it's easy to maintain it. Like if you'd go in there every few months, uh, seasonal, go in for, you know, some maintenance to get rid of the clutter that's piled up in there. Because we do tend to throw things in there. That's just the easy place to put things. But, yeah, so you want to start with one little area of the garage. Don't look at it as one big, huge area. Just pick, like, one shelf, one cabinet in the garage, one section of the garage. Start in small bits.
0: City, who was the uh, sloppiest uh, musician or actor or actress that you had to, and you don't have to name names, but how bad was it? Like are you walked in, holy moly, this one is, or you can share names too. I'd be all right with that.
6: Well, yeah, I can't. Share names with people client, when client you know, confidentiality. I'm criticizing a uh, <laughs> a disorganized yeah. area. But um, I forgot what your question was.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> who was the who was the like the worst? Like when you walked in, you go, oh boy, this is a this is a project that I did not expect. Let me ask you um, this. Let me ask you this instead. Who are worse organizers, men or women?
6: Well, actually, in all these years. I have found that men, unfortunately men, are the ones that don't have the organizational mentality that women have, who tend the home, who do things, they have to be or, more organized. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would vote on the side that men are uh, the most Disorganized. Yeah,
0: I would agree with that. I would agree with that here in the Pollock household as well. All right. Uh, before we let you go, Cindy, uh, when it comes to garage sales, um, a lot of times we like to go and look and you stop and, and sometimes as a person walking up on a house, it's just it looks like total chaos. Are there any tips you can give as people set up their garage sales of how to keep those organized that may help their sales?
6: Yeah, well, I've actually written a, a really good article on it on my website, uh, organizinglady.com, because of the fact that it is approaching that time of year, and you want to make sure when you're having a sale that it's, everything is displayed nicely and everything is priced. It's laid out so that it's a shopping experience. If you just put yourself out of the, the, the scenario that you're the seller – and put yourself as a buyer. And that way, when you walk into a garage sale, how do you you want it to be for your buyers? Do you want them to buy your stuff or do you want them to be like a rummage sale and they kind of walk away because they can't see what's underneath? Uh, Group things together, the electronics, the clothing, the the household kitchenware uh, items, just if you can group them together, It's a nicer shopping experience. So just create that for them when you're having a sale.
0: The website, again, is organizinglady.com. Cindy Seidler, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for all the
6: tips. Oh, I enjoyed speaking with you, too.
0: Yeah, and uh, have a great spring and summer out there in uh, Southern California. Thank you very much. This is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri.
5: When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear.
1: Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not.
2: Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs.
1: And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds
2: into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes.
5: Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their
0: mid-20s.
2: Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control
7: Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on?
2: None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night too. Did you have a clue?
7: No. But you know, teachers like me, parents, We don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids.
2: Half the time, it's rumors.
7: It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust.
2: Dad, no kid is gonna tell an adult about that kind of stuff.
7: I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about.
4: For more information, visit
0: underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. We're back on Show Me Today. The Missouri Department of Transportation spent over $15 million to fix more than 800,000 potholes. Cameron Connor is with MoDOT's State Maintenance Director, Natalie Rourke. She's here to discuss how you can report major potholes on Missouri's major roadways. Uh, Listen, I've hit some doozies, but nothing where it's swallowed up my card. Uh, Cameron, uh, what about you? Have you ever been engulfed in a pothole? I can tell you one thing.
8: First car I ever had, it was a 2002 Camaro, and I was headed home from school on a two-lane road, and there was this crater of a pothole. It looked like the indent in the Death Star. But there was also simultaneously another car coming on that two-lane side of the way, so there was nowhere to go, so I just had to eat it. Completely blew out my tire, it was a whole mess. So it's good to see initiatives like this with MoDOT take take form. Let's just start with the basics, and it might sound like a redundant question or an obvious question, but I think that it's definitely one that needs explaining because... A lot of people out there, maybe they don't know about it, but when it runs its course and all of a sudden potholes are everywhere, what exactly creates a pothole?
3: Well, it's really a combination of, like you said, the winter with the precipitation, the rain and the freezing rain and snow in combination with the temperatures. When it's warm during the day and cold at night, um, certainly makes the potholes worse. So we're out there tackling them quite a bit from February through the end of April, but it's that moisture that seeps down into the cracks and the joints and the pavement, and then when the temperature drops, that water freezes, causes the pavement to expand. And then with that expansion, when cars drive over it, the bulging and the cracking, it causes the, the pavement to bulge even further, and then eventually it just causes chunks of pavement to pop out, creating those potholes.
8: To the point, because sometimes these potholes can get pretty severe and they can cause damage to cars and sometimes even accidents, depending on how bad they are, which is why you guys all get out there to facilitate these as soon as you can. This is a, its a funny follow up question, but do you, do you all have at MoDOT like a, a pothole severity level graph or something to see how urgent some are? Or is it more of like a report report basis?
3: You know, uh, MoDOT's priority is the safety of the traveling public, so we're going to look at each and every one of these and um, respond to them. So when the customers call or we're out and about doing our routine work, um, we're going to address them as we see them.
8: So can you describe to the listeners and to drivers the areas around Missouri that MoDOT covers?
3: Oh, certainly, yeah. So Missouri uh, maintains 34,000 miles of roads. That includes your interstates, your U.S. highways, your Missouri routes, and your lettered routes. So um, if you see the potholes on any of those uh, roadways, certainly call us on our customer service hotline at 1-888-ASK-MODOT. Or you can also report a concern on the uh, Internet at www.modot.org. And there's a location for reporting a road concern. But if you see it on any of the city streets or those other subdivision areas, then um, just be sure to reach out to your local cities or counties for those.
8: I'm so glad to bring that up. That was going to be my next follow up right there is just to make sure that (laughs) for those local roadways that they are facilitating to local governments and making those reports because you have the highways to worry about and all those Missouri roadways. You're listening to Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Natalie Roark. She's the state maintenance director for the Missouri Department of Transportation, speaking about those pesky potholes that pop up after winter and the initiative they're using to tackle this. So as far as, I guess, maybe an example of how many potholes MoDOT corrected from last year, is there any data to kind of highlight just just how much fixing went on?
3: Yeah, uh, we certainly uh, keep track of that, and it, it's a it's a large expenditure for MODOT. We spend on average fifteen to twenty million dollars a year on pothole patching, and in twenty twenty two, in fact, we patched more than eight hundred thousand potholes at a cost of almost sixteen million dollars. So it's a very sizable expenditure for sure.
0: Hey Natalie, it's a Bill. I'd like to jump in. A problem gets reported. MODOT sends out a crew. What's some advice you can give to motorists when they see workers in the roadway?
3: You know, we ask the motorists just to pay attention and do the task at hand. Um, You're driving, so that's what you need to be focusing on. And we ask that the motorists to be patient when they see us out there on the roadway and just stay alert, giving them plenty of room and getting over out of that lane of traffic. Unfortunately, the um, pothole repairs has led to some of the the largest hits of our uh, TMAs or our protected vehicles at the beginning of that work zone. And so anything that we can do to promote the messaging to really pay attention during these pothole uh, repair operations, we certainly appreciate it.
8: Okay. And more of a curiosity question that just came up. It actually relates to the original question that I asked about how quickly... A pothole can happen and how a pothole happens, but is there any specific region in Missouri that gets more impacted by this just because of some weather weather patterns that go through, or is it usually pretty uniform?
3: You know, it's pretty uniform, but, you know, our interstates and the higher uh, traveled routes with the higher traffic volume are going to have the larger impacts with the heavier trucks, and so um, those with Again, having the higher traffic volume will likely be the areas that we're going to focus and have to respond to some more of those uh, larger potholes.
8: Okay, okay, gotcha. So so to get that right, I guess that's your, your I-44s, your I-70s, your I-63s. Th- those are the ones that take a, a bulk of the damage?
3: Yeah, for sure, just with the higher traffic volume and the heavier okay. trucks.
8: Gotcha, gotcha. And I guess more of just like a wrap-up question, if you could cite some examples, what what is some common damage that is reported with with Missouri drivers and it it really doesn't have to pertain to Missouri it's kind of all over the country but you you get what I'm getting at here what what are some common things that potholes can cause if they're not reported and they get bad enough just to highlight how significant or important it is that these things need to be reported as soon as possible
3: you know it can it can cause uh distractions for the drivers when they're on the road of course the bump that they're going to feel so you know, we encourage the drivers to to um, to not break directly over the pothole because that can end up causing more damage. Or when you're driving over the pothole, hold your steering wheel firmly and try not to avoid losing control. And just being, you know, cautious if there's a puddle of water, then there could be a potential pothole that's hiding. And making sure that your tires are properly inflated. Um, if you're just encouraging that your tires are going to hold up, it, you don't want to have a blowout. So, you know, those are just some of the things that can lead to the potholes can kind of lead to some of those types of issues.
8: Natalie, at the end of the day, MoDOT is doing these things to make the roads safer, especially on those major highways where there's a lot of traffic coming through. So it all just takes a matter of patience, right?
3: You know, my primary message is, again, just to ask the motorists to please be patient and work with us and allow our operators to have plenty of room to get out there and make the road safe. So, greatly appreciate it.
8: Well, this has been the Missouri Department of Transportation's State Maintenance Director, Natalie Roark. We've been speaking about the initiative to clean up potholes all over the state, especially as winter slowly dries out of this area and we get those warmer temperatures. Thank you so much for joining us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I
3: see you finally got a new helmet.
0: I did. Spotted
2: cheap online. (laughs) Follow me, we'll turn off here.
3: I'm right behind you.
2: Watch the cars, they can be crazy. Uh,
3: Teddy, no! Are you okay?
2: Somebody knew something!
8: Was this young man hit by a car?
2: Yes, and his helmet is
3: smashed. It's a brand new helmet.
8: It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart, buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the US Patent and Trademark Office.
7: I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
4: I've been driving trucks for a long time and safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov
9: The first three years of every child's life are critical. Learn more about early intervention. How your baby or toddler plays, learns, talks, acts, and moves give important clues as to how they are developing. If you have any questions or concerns about whether your baby or toddler's development is on track, please call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229
2: do you worry about how much someone drinks do you feel angry or depressed most of the time do you feel neglected or unloved
5: do you feel that if the drinker loved you she or he would stop drinking
2: if you answered yes to any of these questions you are not alone not everyone trapped by
1: alcohol is an alcoholic families and friends are suffering too Alanon and Al-A-teen Al-A-teen can help.
5: Call 1 866 200 0223 or visit slash help.
0: we return to show me today i'm your host bill pollack all right we've talked about spring cleaning potholes the other thing that comes up in the springtime uh tax season uh if you have not filed already there may be some things you want to consider marshall griffin is here now with irs spokesperson michael devine to discuss everything you need to know about tax season
9: well first let's let's get right to it how is uh 2023 filing season going so far
10: well so far the filing season is going very smoothly Uh, We expect to get about 160 million tax returns from individuals this year. And as of uh, February 17th, we've received uh, almost 37 million returns, which is up a little bit uh, over last year. Uh, And the good part is most of those are being filed electronically. And that means that if you're going to get a refund, as about 28 million people uh, have already done, uh, you're going to get it faster. Uh, That's $87 billion dollars has already gone back to taxpayers in the form of uh, a refund, and when you e-file your return and use direct deposit so the money goes right into your bank account, you get your tax return processed faster, uh, and your refund within 21 days, uh, usually a lot less than 21 days. But uh, e-file, it's the fastest and safest and absolutely the most accurate way to do your return because the software doesn't make an arithmetic mistake, it doesn't put the wrong number on the wrong line of the return, uh, and it won't let you file it until both you and your spouse, if you're married, have signed it. So it's it's just a really great way to do your returns.
9: Are there any things in particular that someone needs to consider or have on hand before they file?
10: The first thing you need to do is make sure you have all of the documents you need, especially if you're going to go see a tax professional, because if, you, if you're if you missing a document, they won't be able to do your return. Um, if you made less than $70,000, you can go to irs.gov and pick one of uh, nine companies that partner with the IRS that let you use their software for free to do your tax return. And usually, there's one or two of, of these companies that will let you do your state return at the same time. Uh, and this is, it might be a little extra charge for that, but having done a Missouri return longhand one time, I'd swore I'd never do it again. And so, you know, paying a little bit to have it done, only put the information in the computer one time. It's just, it's a great time saver. And when you're done, you hit the go button, it's gone. And within 24 hours, the IRS is going to say, we've received your uh, return and accepted it. And that's critically important uh, in this you know, day and age of identity theft, because that means nobody stole your information and used it to file a tax return before you did.
9: You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin, and we're speaking with Michael Devine. He's the uh, spokesperson for the IRS out of St. Louis. Now, if there are there may have been some changes to certain credits and credits and deductions uh, for the tax year of 2022. Um, I guess and part of that, from what I, what I understand, is um, lack of a stimulus, a pandemic type era stimulus that uh, that we've had in recent years. Uh, what do what do we need to know about that?
10: Well, it, you're correct. Uh, the The refund amounts uh, for, for this year are lower than they were last year about 11% less uh, per tax return. And that's because many of the credits that were uh, pumped up during COVID have returned to their 2019 levels. In particular, this would include the child tax credit Um, for this year. It's $2,000 for children under 17. Last year, it could have been up to $3,600 per dependent. Uh, child-independent care credit, last year had a maximum of $8,000. This year, the maximum is only $2,100. And the earned income tax credit, while it's gone up from most categories, and this year, if you made uh, about $59,000, it could be worth almost $7,000 in, in a refund. But for those people who are qualified to get EITC but have no children, last year the maximum credit was more than $1,500. This year it's only $560. There's also, last year and the year before, you could get what we call an above-the-line deduction for charitable contributions, either $300 or $600 if you're married filing jointly, and that's gone now. So now if you want to get a deduction for a charitable contribution, you need to itemize and almost 80% of all taxpayers use the standard deduction. So there's a lot of reasons why your refund will be smaller this year than it was last year.
9: You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin, and we're speaking with Michael Devine from the uh, St. Louis office of the IRS. Now, uh, you, we, before we started the interview, you mentioned a few things, IP PIN, what exactly is an IP PIN and what do taxpayers need to know about it?
10: An IP PIN, it, it, it's, a, it's a, the abbreviated version of Identity Protection Personal Identification Number. Now you know why we call it an IP PIN, it's easier. Uh, and This is a program that the IRS created several years ago when identity theft kind of exploded. And at one time, it was only in a few states, and now it's available to anyone who needs or wants one. And needs means you've had your identity stolen. Someone has filed a fraudulent tax return using your information. You can stop that fraudulent return dead in its tracks by signing up to get an IP pin. This is a six-digit number that you will get every year, usually in December, uh, in the mail and that's between you and the IRS, That's six-digit number. With that number on your tax return, it goes sailing right through the system. It unlocks the door so that the IRS will process it. Without that number, uh, a fraudulent return is going to stop dead in its tracks. It's going to sit there until we look at it and work on it. But your return with the IP pin is going to go right through. It is a great way to protect your federal tax return Uh, Whether you've been a victim or you're just nervous about it, uh, you can voluntarily sign up for it. All the information about the IP PIN and identity theft uh, on how to prevent it or report it is available on our website at irs.gov.
9: And a lot of people will use... um... Online services that are, that are, I, I don't know if third party is the correct term for them, but uh, private companies that uh, have filing, like say TurboTax or other groups like that. Is is it uh, any, any recommendations or advice for those who would use, uh, not file directly with IRS.gov as far as uh, making sure that their tax information is not just accurate but secure?
10: The IRS actually doesn't uh, prepare tax returns. You know, that's a a third-party company that does that, and there are a number of them out there. Uh, What we tell you to do is pick one that that you, you know, you like. Uh, If you can use the free file program on IRS.gov, there are companies that partner with the IRS to let you use their software for free. Uh, If you're really good uh, at doing taxes, comfortable with it, we have something, you know, a, a free file program, uh, that's available to anyone, no matter what their income is, where you can do the tax return online and then have it filed. But, uh, all of those prepared programs or tax software programs, you know, are through a third company and then they have all been checked by the IRS. And then when they're all put together, they send them to the IRS for processing. If you're finding a tax professional, then you want to find someone who's been around a while. Uh, Someone who has a current education, they know what the current tax law is. Uh, Someone that will be open all year in case you have a question. Uh, There are, you know, CPAs and enrolled agents can represent you to the IRS. Uh, Other tax professionals can be very good, and most of them are, uh, but they can't actually represent you if you have a problem. There are criminals who pretend to be tax professionals. And some red flags are, you don't need all your documents, I'll I'll figure out the numbers from whatever you've got. No, that's not how it works. Uh, Or they say, uh, I will base my fee on the size of your refund. That means that they're probably going to inflate numbers or reduce numbers, so you get a bigger refund, they get a bigger payout, and then when the IRS catches the mistake, you're going to have to answer the questions, and that criminal's gone in the wind. So um, take a look at the return before you sign it. Uh, And if you don't understand something, ask. Never sign a blank return. It's kind of like signing a blank check. If you sign the return, no matter who prepared it, you are legally responsible for everything on it. So you need to watch that information because it's all the information a criminal needs to steal your identity.
9: You're listening to Show Me Today. This is Marshall Griffin, and we're speaking with Michael Devine from the St. Louis office of the IRS. Do you have any specific advice for someone who may be in a different tax bracket, either due to a a significant increase in income or the reverse, a significant decrease in income?
10: The best thing you can do is use software to do your return if, if you've had a significant change. Uh, if, you, if you had a real significant change and you have a complicated return, it's probably best to use a tax professional, unless you're very comfortable with it. But a tax professional uh, is is going to be certified. They're going to have a specific number uh, from the IRS that's new every year, a P-10 that identifies them as being registered with the IRS, and without that P-10 number, uh, you are not allowed by law to be paid to do a tax return. There are volunteer sites from uh, VITA and AARP where all of the volunteers uh, are trained by the IRS and certified.
9: And that was Michael Devine, the uh, spokesperson for the IRS office in St. Louis. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Show Me Today